Howdy, friends, and welcome to The Story Field. This is a podcast where we talk about business, faith, and life in general. Okay, so here's the deal. We want you to be encouraged. We want you living in hope. This life we live is complex. It's hard at times. At The Story Field, you will find great stories of normal people just like us who will inspire you. Our goal is that you leave encouraged, inspired, and excited to move forward in life. But before we get started, one thing though, if you're listening and you find yourself really hopeless right now, send us an email at hope at thestoryfield.com so we can pray for you. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started. Well, hey, Storyfield. Man, I'm off the hot seat. Dang it. Micah, you're on today. So are you excited? I'm feeling... I feel ill, so maybe we should do this. Another. <laughs> just kidding. So for those of us just joining in, um, we are celebrating our episode 50. You know, we're a few years into this, and we were talking about just the the really unique impact that this podcast has had on people and how the Lord used it for a ministry when we didn't even expect or anticipate that. And we're rolling into, you know, way bigger numbers than we've ever expected. So we were arguing about, hey, whose who's story now do you need to hear? And uh, we we're like, man, nobody really knows our story. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Let me just think. So Micah made me go last time, you know, me first. So this time he's in the hot seat. And we're calling this episode 50B. 50B, 50 part two, 2.0 whatever it is micah's version (laughs) yep so for for those kind of just stepping into micah give me your thoughts on you know what the lord's done with the podcast in the last few years from what we intended originally um so if this is the first one you ever heard you've heard us talk about you haven't heard us talk about it but the whole point of this podcast was to bring good news in a time when we thought Everything was negative. Of course, this was COVID and just coming out of COVID and there was nothing. There was not a lot that was hopeful. I mean, churches were shut down. People couldn't hang out with each other. Doom and gloom all over the place. And we just felt called to start something that we could learn. Uh learn on the business side of things or even on the people side of things or even on the religious side of things. So we kind of broke it down into those three different monikers and we were targeted at first. And then all of a sudden we we're like, you know what? We're just, well, we're just going to go. We're not going to come up with a thousand questions. Yeah. We're just going to see how it flows. Yeah. And really the fun part for me, I bet for you too, is seeing, I love the, breakthrough of God in people's stories. And we've had some pretty really crazy faith people on. And I just love, I love the fact that they did the stuff they did, but what I love more is like how God broke through for him and was there for him. And that's kind of fits with the whole thing we were doing anyway. So. Yeah, that, and I think those that weren't, aren't necessarily believers um, got to have a conversation with two guys who, we're believers, but we've also mm-hmm. had our ups and downs where we were like, dude, what are you doing? Why are you putting me in this situation? It's not that we weren't um, 
fully, you know, it's just that yeah. we were always, we had times when we were questioning things of why things were happening, which always happens. But I think those people that have no religious aspect or no Jesus part of it after the fact will come and say, Hey man, this happened. <laughs> and me and you are like, yeah, well, we know why that's happened, but yeah, I mean, you know, um, and then of course all the uh, other offline things that we hear from other people. I mean, we, we just think we're just two Yoko's that yeah you know, shouldn't be <laughs> yep. doing this in the first place. And it all started kind of just as, as let's get through 10 and then now we have thousands of people that have heard it and we get comments yeah. of like, man, y'all just keep doing it. There's something happening, yeah. this and that. And we're just like, well, I guess we're supposed to keep doing this. Yeah. And one of the guests um, followed up with me recently said we were the first interview he did. And then after ours, he goes, something happened, some sort of crazy increase happened. Cause after, you know, they, they run a big nonprofit, but after uh after he was on the show, um, he had like 25 interviews after that, including the Mike Huckabee show, including TVN and all this stuff. So I was like, whoa, there's some feedback. Like, thanks for telling me. Like, what have yeah. done that? So I'm like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. The the catalyst of of just somebody telling their story. I mean, yeah. whether, I yeah. mean, and in, in 95% of this will never hear from people that just randomly listen to us of whatever life change it is. Uh, it's just, we just know stuff is happening. Yeah. Otherwise well, we wouldn't be doing it. Yep. Well, you're up today, but I do want to say, you know, we don't, we love, we would love a chance to uh, hear some feedback from anybody who listens and pray for you. If you're just in kind of a hopeful spot. And I know we say that on our, on the end of the show or beginning of the show or somewhere. But but um you can email us at what is it, Micah? Uh I Micah think it's hope at the, at the story field. field. Yeah, and hope at the storyfield.com. Um because okay. that's yeah, what, so email us. Yeah, this whole this whole journey is about everybody's story. Everybody has one. The big, the ups, the downs, the bad parts, the good parts. Um, and we're all just trying to meld our stories together. And yeah. We'd love to hear how your story is going and yeah. then how we can assist. Yeah, for sure. Well, that being said, so I'm, I've known you for 13 years or, or so. Yeah. And Long right time. now I would say you're probably one of the you know best kind of healthiest spots I've seen you in a long time. But I know that always has not been the case. Oh, for so sure. Lot, like we normally do. You know, on the story, Phil, would you would you take us back to childhood and let's kind of start walking a line and you can rabbit trail wherever you want from, from it. But let's go back, man. Where were you born? All right. So about your childhood? I was born in southern Illinois in like the middle of Jersey cow dairy farms and then little oil fields, because at the time, I'm guessing the early 70s, late 60s, there was an oil boom in Illinois. And my family at the time was in both uh, cows and oil. So I was born in this little bitty town. Um, man. There's not much out there, is there? I mean, mm. I've, I've I've driven through it before and it's just like, it's pretty, it's, yeah, it's, pretty, it's pretty, pretty, pretty flat and pretty 
agricultural. Yes, it is all farmland for yeah. the most part. There's not in in most industry, but so um, I love where the little you town. At, where are you at the birth order back. then? Yeah, where are you at the birth order type stuff? So, so I am actually number two. I would have had an older brother, but he was too much of a preemie uh, that he didn't make it. He, I think he would have been about two years older than me. I was a preemie as well. And if you don't know what a preemie is, that means I was born early and uh, I decided to make it. So I'm number one, but yeah. really I'm number two. And take that joke any way that you want to. All right. <laughs> so... uh was born in in uh, this little small town. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was really, really young. Uh, my grandparents, my mom's side, lived in Houston at the time because my dad, my grandpa, was a big wig in uh, Texaco oil, and uh, they had moved him to Houston from Iran. He had been over there for a couple of years doing uh, some things, and um, when they got divorced, we moved to Houston when I was five. And I spent all of my youth up until probably, I think it was fourth grade, maybe third grade in Sharpstown, which is Southwest Houston. Uh, Living with your, living with your mom? Living with my grandparents and my mom. Okay. So hang on time out. You kind of brushed over that pretty quick about like the divorce early. You were five. Do you? I I was like maybe two, two or three. Do you have any exactly recollection? Like, yeah, do you have any recollection of that time period, really? The only recollection I have is I remember jumping into a ditch when I was real, real little because a tornado was coming. Uh, and we lived in a trailer in Champaign, Urbana, near the University of Illinois, where my dad was starting his schooling. Okay. Um, but I, I just remember laying in a ditch and hearing this crazy, awful train noise. And that's because, I mean, we're not going to hang out in the trailer. Yeah. And uh, I just remember laying in there. That was it. And the only, then the next memory I can actually remember is me getting a bike when I was like six years old in Sharpstown. Hey, y'all. I just want to make an observation. When I see someone going through a legal situation, it seems like there are way too many unknowns. Well, the Allen Firm provides legal guidance so that you can make a great decision Come to a resolution and be at peace. For more information about the Allen Firm, visit allenlawfirm.com. So did you have contact or relationship at all with your dad growing up? Yeah. Was he, still, yeah. Was he still in Illinois? He was still in Illinois. He, he a couple of years at U of I, and then he went back to the farm. He met my stepmom sometime in there. Uh, Grandma Sue, and she's amazing. She's probably one of my favorite people. Um, at some point within the, I mean, I was in their wedding when I was like seven or eight, I think. I can't remember, but maybe even younger than that. Um, but I got to see him every other holiday and every other big holiday. So that was like Thanksgiving or Christmas. And then, uh, every summer, I mean, I probably spent two months at a time up in Illinois farming, which is yeah, really crazy sum- for a city summer. Kid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, milking cows, uh, baling hay. Yeah. My grandpa, <laughs> my grandpa, Bob, Bob Petrie was the best one liner 
<laughs> so making all kinds of fun. For oh that. my gosh! And he made fun of me because I was a city boy trying to come up and do farming. And one year was my hair, and the next year was my earring. And he was going to tag me like a Jersey cow. And there's just he was he was a he was a pretty uh, low key funny guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what was it like then? Tell us about your just growing up in, you know, South Houston from you were there the whole time then, except for the summers, it sounds like. Yes. Well, I was in Sharpstown until third grade and then I moved out to A-Leaf in fourth grade and Sharpstown and A-Leaf are two different beasts. They're both on the south side of Houston, but Sharpstown was at this time there was Sharpstown Mall and it was pretty, I don't know, it was pretty like very, very suburban. I mean, ranch-style homes. There was a golf course somewhere because my grandpa played a lot of golf. And uh, pretty pretty easy life. Like, I could ride my bike to the mall and back if I wanted to and not have to worry about anything. Um, and I just did your normal stuff. Played baseball. Played a lot of baseball. I probably, And that's the great thing about uh, Texas is we get to play baseball year-round. So there was spring ball, fall ball, and summer ball. You just had to find the team find a group of kids you know that you could play with and i i mean i'm not braggy braggy but i was i was pretty good i could have played yeah. on any team that i wanted to and my later on uh i don't want to skip around too much but actually yeah. my my stepdad don was a really good baseball coach and uh when my mom and him started dating then i got to play in sugarland so i was playing in sugarland i was playing in Bel Air and I, which has always had really good teams. Um, anyway, I just played a lot of baseball because I needed an outlet to not get in trouble. Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a risk adverse personality. I'll do yeah. anything once. Not I don't even need to be dared on it. I'll just yeah. Like, oh, I want to say that I did that. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, well, well, hang on. I've just had the thought. Like, what about siblings? Did you say? I guess I kind of stopped with you. Did you have more and were they with you in Houston? I'm the only one with me. I'm the okay. only one with my set of parents. I have two okay. stepbrothers. Okay. But they're um, with my stepdad, Don. And then I had three siblings um, with my dad and grandma Sue. Okay. And we'll, we'll talk about uh, my okay, sister cool. in, in, okay. a, in a little bit, but okay. it, it just, uh, I was kind of by myself. Okay. I, um, my mom was going to school and I lived with my grandparents. And, uh, then about in fourth grade, my mom had graduated school and got a job with shell oil. And we moved out to a leaf because at the time it was a real cheap suburb to live in in Houston. (laughs) And it was also probably one of the roughest areas you could be in other than third and fifth ward at the time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So there you are in fourth grade and you, did you graduate there? I mean, you spent the whole time. I spent from fourth and I was supposed to graduate in 1991, but I jacked do you around. Wanna, do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, sure. Okay. I jacked around and, and we had off campus lunch. So as a senior, you could go off and eat lunch. And then if I remember correctly, right after lunch, I had like the principal's office aid job. And I think I missed like, I would just not go back to school after lunch. 
some days because when you're a senior and you're like, ah, I, I only really needed three classes to graduate. And this was second semester. And I think I had like, I think eight. I needed eight days of makeup. And the cool, I mean, it's not cool, but A-Leaf uh, a had Saturday school. So if huh. you missed a day during the week, you could go. And basically, you just sat for five, six hours. and You did your homework yeah. for all the stuff that you missed. And then it counted as a day because people don't know Texas schools are based on days. We need a number yeah. of hours in the classroom in order to, one, for the government to fund the schools, but two, yeah. for the students to get classes. And uh, so when I went to go talk about said missed days, I may have gotten a verbal altercation with my assistant principal trying to get my way in that there was only five Saturdays left. This was in March. So I only, I only needed two more months to graduate. And uh, I said some stupid things and got in trouble. And uh, she told me not to come back to school. <laughs> so, oh, no. Yeah. So I was kicked out. I uh, had to go and tell my mom. Had to go to her work and be like, hey, just letting you know I'm not going back to school. Uh, I guess I'm going to uh. Yeah. And I had like. I was going to go to Kansas. I had a scholarship to Kansas um, to go sing and full ride. Um, I think I still have the paperwork on here somewhere. I kept it as like a motivator. Stop doing stupid things. Of course, that didn't help. Oh, that's painful um, man, to hear. And then. What uh, then? What'd you do? I mean. Well, I, I I started working when I was 15 years old. I had been working at uh, Domino's Pizza. And then, then I moved over to a place called Furrow's, which was like Home Depot. And me and a bunch of my buddies worked out there, and uh, I just worked. I mean, I I I got as many hours as I could. Um, I saved a little bit of money, um, because of course I needed a new truck or whatever all those things were, and I had nothing else to do, so I might as well be somewhat productive. And then I tried to go back to school the next year, and I think I lasted like three weeks. I was like, I can't be in the school anymore. This is depressing. I had tons of friends. It had nothing to do with that. It was just my own. Uh, I guess I was mad at myself. At this time, my mom got remarried, and they moved out to a place called Damon and Needville, which is way south, tech, uh, Houston. And it's on the Brazos River. And my parents moved out there, and I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll go out there. I need, you know, I wasn't making a ton of money to live in my own apartment yet, but. So I went, I moved out there and then I decided to have, I decided I didn't want a GED. So I actually went to Needle High School and had a meeting with the principal and said, Hey, I only need these three credits to graduate. Basically the second part of history, English, and uh, I can't remember the other one, like biology or something for my senior year. And he sat me down and he goes, all right, well, I'll give you a chance. You need to be here every day. You're not going to miss a day. And you're going to park right here. So I know what time you got here. You're going to leave right after lunch. And uh, we're going to have no no dilly-dallying. And I forgot the other word to use. No hijinks. That's what he said. No dilly-dallying or hijinks. Unstuck Coaches hates it when movement and progress in a person's life or business is stuck or frozen or slowed, or just stopped altogether. Well, we have found a solution. UnstuckCoaches.com 
They offer a variety of coaching services to get you or your business moving again. Check out unstuckcoaches.com. Wow, uh, man. What a like, that may have been a godsend of just like, you need a good, good shaking. Just be like, yeah, yeah you turn around with me, you. Like, yeah, tell me the rules so I can at least. Uh, and I, I mean, I did it. I graduated. I actually got my diploma from Needville High School, itty bitty. Like, I went from a Hastings at the time. I mean, my graduating class at Hastings was probably like 13, 1400. It was like one of the top 10 biggest schools in the nation, us, Elsick, and then a bunch of LA schools. Needville, I think I was number 19 graduating. And I'm a, you know, my last name's P. So it may have been like 24 graduating or something like that. It's crazy. Uh, My mom was happy. I did it. My mom was happy. She, I took my own initiative to go get that done. And then, uh, yeah. People don't know about you, but I mean, we're, I'm going to, I want to ask about the band. You're a band. You, I met you planting the church here in my town as a worship pastor. And, you know, music has been a part of your life. So, but talk about that as well. Like when that came in and then also, did you have any like church experience, religion, faith at this point? What was your experience with that uh, to this point, you know? Um, so, okay. So in seventh grade, so I was a drummer, I was in band and I played drums in seventh grade there was a young lady I was fond of who happened to be in choir. And, uh, very I, well said. I, yeah. uh, I thought I'd try out for choir and, uh, yeah. Miss Peters was the choir director and I did a little scene for her and she was like, well, you're actually pretty good at this. And, uh, oh, so wow. I joined choir. So starting in seventh grade, I did band and choir at the same time, all the way, all the way to high school until like my junior year. Um, so I didn't really have any other electives cause I was always booked with band or choir or, or, or something extra with one of those things. Um, me and the girl didn't ever work out. So I joined choir. It was kind of a bust, but I actually enjoyed it changed singing. your life though. It yeah. changed my life. Yeah. I actually enjoyed singing more and felt that my gift was more in the singing. Um, yeah, so that that started my music, and within that, I met a bunch of people in my band, and a and we were in a rock band, and starting our freshman year in high school, and because I was in choir, of course I, I was one of the lead singers, and then all these other band members were in band that played on other instruments, and I mean we played school functions, we played at graduation parties, we played at carnivals we played at a bunch of clubs in houston and which is a pretty big deal i mean you all went on the road right didn't you go on the road like it's like a this particular band well the the rock band we just played different little tours when i got out of high school okay i was in a country band and we did some touring okay um i mean we 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 could we did tours as much as we could as as high schoolers as far as we would open up for this particular band in some club in South Houston. And then the next day we would open up for another band in like Zelda's or Fitzgerald's was in the North part of Houston. So um, some of our, you know, I don't think our parents would allow us to get us too far because they also knew that we were just a bunch of crazy kids and we would have done extremely stupid things, but which we did anyway. But 
um, the touring, the the big touring stuff happened afterwards in the country band. But music, I mean, I okay. stopped band. I stopped playing football. I stopped playing baseball. I stopped playing everything at the end of my sophomore year and said, singing is my, um, wow. that's my gift. I, I feel like, um, one, I'm good at it. And two, it kind of like felt my calling. Like yeah. that's what I should be. I felt, I didn't feel nervous or anything when I was on stage. It could be seven people. And my whole job is to, you know, when you're in a band band, sing and lighten them, make them feel like they're part of the show, make them smile, blah, blah, blah. And then when there's 7,000 people, you just have more faces to try to uh, bring with you, which is really hard, which is really hard as a worship leader. Let me tell you, it's hard not to, you have to toe the line. Um, So we'll we'll come back. Is that what you got your, is that what you got your scholarship for? To the singing? junior college? Yeah. Yeah. Was yeah, that? I was supposed okay. to be a music major. And the problem I had with music majors at the time was they, they want you to study opera. I mean, you do all the theory and you do all the music, but you're singing more classical type music. And I'm not that guy. I mean, I can. I did real well in high school at all the competitions and and I sang in Latin and German and French and did all the things and wore my tux and, you know, I did all that. But man, <laughs> yeah. all I wanted to do was be on stage and like just hear people sing and or people be with me. So and at the time, Belmont University in Nashville was the only university that offered a contemporary voice degree. But it is twenty eight thousand dollars a semester. I mean. That's 200 yeah, grand out. to get a budget. voice degree. Yeah. That there's no, there's no like, I mean, yeah. I don't even know if there's a contemporary voice choir teacher like at a high school or anything like that. Most of them are all classically trained because that's what you're, that's what you're performing most of the time. Dang. Well, did you go to junior college or no? I just, me and college didn't work very well because I'd meet a girl or something <laughs> and I wouldn't go to class or, uh, when you do music degrees, you have to do these things called juries where the, you're given pieces of music and then you have to go sing them at the end of the semester, judged by seniors, music and all this stuff. And I just wouldn't show up for those or I wouldn't show up for class. Um, I was too enthralled with, I guess, ladies at the time or just doing stuff that I wanted to do. Cause at the same time I was working. So it was like, Oh, I could pick up shift and make like, I mean, at the time it was what? 475 an hour so you know i'm gonna go make another but that 50 was still, bucks, you know that was more motivating though yeah class well at the you. time i just i guess i wasn't ready to take school seriously and i had okay. opportunities to go to other schools too and i screwed those up one semester at a time dang man how was your grandfather yeah. were you still living around with him no i wasn't I was, I was out on my own oh, okay at that point but he was kind of a father figure for you wasn't he like what was he was really mad Really? He was really mad when I got kicked out of high school when I was supposed to graduate, just in the sense of uh, extreme disappointment. Because like I was probably going to go to school and I was going to do the voice thing to pay for it. But he wanted me to be an engineer because I was really good at science and numbers. And I wanted to be more of a creative uh, kind of the graphic design or the 
those kinds of things. So we just butted heads of what I was going to do because, you know, parents and grandparents, they just want the best for you of, of what they think you could make the most money at. So you're secure. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and in my head, my head, I'm like, dude, as long as I'm doing something fun, you know, yeah. at the time, I don't care if I'm working at Randall's, you know? Yeah. I can work overnight stocking and make eight dollars yeah. an hour and I'll be perfectly fine, you know. I'm not knowing anything. Get um, up a case, grandpa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh and my, man, my grandparents were my that I lived with, Grandma Murray, Grandpa Murray, they were probably the most encouraged. My grandma Murray spoiled the crap out of me. There's I mean, I had chocolate chip cookies every day when I came home from school when I lived with them. I I mean, I was pretty I was pretty spoiled. I, I um and, and disappointing disappointing him was probably worse than disappointing anybody. Yeah. I mean, because he he tried his best to pour into me, but at the same time he was like, um, I did my kid, you know, like I raised my yeah. kids. Here's the yeah. nuggets. You're probably not gonna listen to me anyway. Uh, but he was uh he was he was he was pretty awesome. Ma'am, ma you live with him though I mean, all the way until he moved, so well how'd you um, end up how'd you end up in full cell? Okay, so when I was in high school at the end of my high school, I I knew I wanted to be in music so bad. I didn't care if it was in a band, I didn't care if it was being a record producer, and I also have a pretty good ear for for uh, what sounds good, what mixes well, all of those kinds of things. And my, actually my choir director at the time, Mr. Dixon was like, um, you should think about this school in Florida. It's called full sale and they offer this degree in audio engineering. So on the, I could be in the music side on the back end of things. And, um, I just, it, it's super expensive because it's a private school. I mean, it's no different. I mean, it's a, it's a year and a half and it's $80,000. Uh, and at the time, you know, like it would have been a failure just like everything else. Now, granted it was, it's a, it's a tech school. So maybe that, maybe that would have kept me interested. And I ended, I did end up going there after I got married, but that's where I first learned about it was he was like, you should check this out. It's a way you can kind of stay in music. And then, and then my goal kind of switched from being a performer and I still performed, but in my mind, I was like, well, maybe I can learn all this stuff and I can learn how to make records. Cause I thought that would be, I always wanted to be a radio DJ. Those were, those are the guys I listened to. Um, and they looked like, they sounded like they were just having fun on the radio and they got to play music all day. And I was like, well, what a cush gig. Yeah, it's uh, perfect. Not knowing all the other stuff that, you know, you got to do and all the uh, things, but um, I figured that was my other way to get in. I could be somewhat of a radio DJ and play what's on the radio, or I could be a singer. I never had an issue with motivation as far as working. So I'm not afraid to work. I'm not afraid to be, uh, if it's outdoors, you got to understand I'm going to sweat because I have that yeah. sweat gene that my grandma gave me. It could be 80 degrees and I'm going to sweat, <laughs> yep. but uh, I had no problem working. So I worked at this place called Oshan and moved up and it was like a housewares manager. And then I, I got a job with a place called planet music and it was a, it was tw 
think of like half of a Walmart just full of music. CDs, we sold concert tickets, we sold apparel, we sold uh, tapes, LPs, everything you could think of with the music industry. And they were brand new and there was three locations and uh, I ended up getting hired on one as a, um, just like a the 4 a.m. truck unloader. And then we got the store ready for 10 a.m. So when you came in at 10 a.m., everything we ever, everything we had was in the floor. Um, so I just did that. That moved me to North Carolina, spent about a year and a half in North Carolina. And then I got, I think I got homesick a little bit. North Carolina is awesome, but it doesn't have the same people feel. Texas are general, Texas people are generally welcoming to anybody. They'll say, howdy, hi, how you doing? What's up? North Carolina, they're kind of, um, they were nice. But yeah, they weren't just didn't outwardly, feel as, feel yeah, as friendly. They're yeah. not going to roll up and just talk to you at a bar or a, a pool hall or at a football game unless you're part of their group. Well, man, where did so when you came home from North Carolina, like tell us about when did your bride come into the picture? And then, like, how old were you about at this time after North Carolina? Um, okay, so I came home from North Carolina and Borders Books and Music had bought Planet Music. So they were opening a store in Sugarland, which is in between A-Leaf. Uh, it's actually in Stafford, Texas, which is in, in between Sugarland and A-Leaf. And that was my that was my ho- hood the whole time. So I was like, I'm going to come home. I can get this job. I'll take whatever they'll give me. So I came home with a job at Borders Books and Music and just kind of worked there for a while. So I met Vanessa, my bride, in 94 um, at a just a, a random happening at Galveston Beach. And uh, we were friends this whole time. Since 94, we were friends. And I think North Carolina was 90. I came back from North Carolina in 98. And then in the meantime, she's... She's been dating one of my friends off and on uh, because her group from Spring, Texas, and my group from A-Leaf kind of formed a really cool kind of bond. And so that six or eight of us, depending on how many of us showed up, would always hang out on the weekends. And uh, so I had known her for a long time. There was times when we didn't get along so well, and there was times when we were uh, just chummy, really, really good friends. And okay. uh she got accepted. I came back from North Carolina and was working at Borders, and she was actually going away to UT. And there was always been this joke that I would roll up to her and be like, "Hey, how come you don't like me?" Because I liked her from the jump, but I she just I wasn't her type, and I was a little goofy and crazy, too much so, and. uh Finally, there was this joke that I used to always say. It was like, hey, Vanessa, do you not like me because I'm fat? Because I'm a chunk, I was a chunky dude. And all my <laughs> all on. my friends were like firefighter models yeah. and all this stuff. So I, I used to just mess with her. And it, it just became a running joke. I mean, there's like four years of this. And then at her going away party, she was like, I don't know. And I was like, well, that's not the stock answer. She usually <laughs> gives me. So anyway, we just started 
uh, that was like the the switch. And it just the conversations were a little different. She actually moved to UT and we kind of started dating and then it was long term. And but early in the conversations, we knew that this was probably a little more serious, even though our friends were probably taking bets of like, mm, that's probably going to last three years. Uh, what's the over under on five years on that? <laughs> yeah. And uh, but I mean, I mean, we were. We were dating pregnant married living together all in like a year a little less wow i mean it was august we kind of start talking dating ask her uh i mean i may have asked her in october or november uh we find out we're pregnant we get married in march which was spring break for ut we go to vegas and then I moved to Austin, and then two months later, three months later, we have Austin, our first child, our firstborn. So yeah, it's kind of a whirlwind. And now it's wow. twenty. What are we? Twenty two, twenty two years now. That's awesome, yeah. man. So, um, so yeah. yeah. So yeah. she's she was in all of the craziness, and we've seen each other at our best and our worst, and uh, always had like a connection, even when we were like supposedly not we were supposedly mad at each other which it usually involved other people it had nothing to do with me and her <laughs> vanessa's awesome man yeah well what about you haven't talked to anything about faith at all well at this time so back in high school i dated a girl who was a preacher's daughter and there was just some things that happened in that and this was a year and a half and there were some things that happened during that where I ended up being like, if this is who God is going to put in my path, I don't want anything to do with organized church. Because you didn't grow up in any organized church. Well, really. my, my, my grandparents dragged me to Presbyterian church and I'd sit oh, okay. through all that lethargic stuff. And yeah. Uh, let's just go to him three twenty nine. Yeah, yeah. And I was, and, and my grandma, my grandma Petrie, um, would take us to First Baptist in the small in Salem, and I liked the Baptist Church a little bit more, and maybe it was because it was a small town kind of feel. Um, it seemed a less, little less, uh, it seemed a little lighter and a little less rigid, like the Presbyterian Church. And this is, of course, is coming from like a nine to ten year old view. Um, just seemed very da 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 da, and. And then Nicole's uh, dad ran, I don't, I don't remember what brand of church, but it was a nice guy. Uh, Family was awesome. Just sketchy things ended up happening and it just turned me off. Because, you know, as as a middle, as a young high schooler, you're like, okay, these, we talk about God and trust and all these people that are supposed to be put in your life. There's a reason for it, blah, blah, blah. And then all these sketchy things are going on. And, uh, now I'm supposed to trust that God's going to put the right people in front of me when, uh, or, you know, I didn't know anything about learning lessons or, um, the devil is active. Yeah. Uh, the devil can turn anybody and it's not even like crazy you know what i'm saying like it's yeah uh and i didn't know any of that 
I mean, I just went to, she was my girlfriend. I went to her dad's church. I sang every now and then. Yeah. And uh, that was probably my only religious at that particular time. When did Jesus enter the picture for you then? I mean, so we get married and Vanessa finishes school at UT. And then I said, I need to do something. I need to figure out a way to get a degree um, so that I, I can help this family. I mean, because Vanessa is awesome at what she does. She's extremely motivated. She could probably be running some of these law firms right now as as smart and tactical as she is. But I needed to step up and I didn't, I, mean, I can't work at 7-Eleven and have this person that could be a CMO, CEO running law firms, you know, mentality. I would feel, I feel chump, like a chump. So I was yeah, like, yeah. well, let's, I want to go to the school called Full Sail. I wanted to get a degree. Then we're going to move back to Austin. I'm going to get a job at one of these recording studios and I'm going to learn how to be a producer. And then I'm going to produce country and rock albums. And uh, so she agreed. And after she graduated from the University of Texas, we packed up with our little baby and we rolled over to uh, Florida uh, near Orlando. And uh, I went to school for two years and I got two degrees. I got a degree in audio engineering which kind of focused on the studio aspect of things, but it also taught me a whole bunch about live sound. And then uh, I got a degree in entertainment business, which is a, which is basically a general business degree, but it also a lot of our time focused on marketing stuff because they were preparing you to go work for film studios or record labels or TV uh, production companies. Um, so I did a lot of marketing web and design and those kinds of things um and then we moved back to we moved back to texas to a small little town called kyle okay and uh if you think about the rush of all all of this happening within four years getting married having a baby vanessa graduates we move we have no support system in florida uh as far as no relatives no family members that live close i mean we are isolated by ourselves and then I'm gone. My school, full. the crazy thing about Full Sail is it runs 24-7. So you could have three classes in a week. Each class is like four, five hours long. And then you have labs. But your lab could be one in the morning to five in the morning because that's when the recording lab is open. Uh, and that could be twice a week. So there, your schedule is constant. And, and every month, you basically do two classes of college every month. And then the next month you switch to two brand new classes. So you're just killing it. I mean, just killing it. And, uh, you know, I think at this time I'm, uh, man, I'm 32, 33. And I'm, I'm at school with like 18 and 19 year olds that are just hitting their party phase. So this stuff is no big deal to them. They're going to be up and, first time they lived out of the house and all those kinds of things. And I'm like, I need to study y'all. I need to do really good at this. I got, I got, I got people I got that a are baby in the house. Me. Yeah. Yeah. To, uh, and so I'm not able to work, you know, Vanessa's having to bear the load of trying to find a job in a town. She doesn't really know any connections. Orlando doesn't pay very well as a city. Um, and I'm gone all the time. So, I mean, it's like a whole, plethora of crazy stuff going on um but 
I graduate. We moved back to Kyle, which is south of Austin. We built, we've, at this time, we've, we've had a house built. I don't know who was crazy enough to give us a house loan when none of us had jobs, but we ended up getting it and we built a house in Kyle. And six months later, anyway, back to my point about the, a lot of happened in four years and me and Vanessa really never got to just be a couple. And the first years of marriage are hard as it is. And we didn't know really how to communicate and we didn't really know how to do all these other things. And it just put a big strain on the marriage and Vanessa finally just put her foot down and was like, look, we need to go to church or we needed to do something to kind of help us. Oh, there it is. Bring, bring us together. Um, uh, because I mean, there were times when it was like, should we still be together? I mean, yeah. There's fighting and and all those kinds of things, and like that's like, what you brought back to Kyle. Like yeah, that was, we'll the just, conversation started happening to Kyle too. Yeah, yeah. Like Vanessa started attending the church right before we left Florida, and I think that inspired her. She grew up Catholic, but she started going to this kind of like a non-denominational church, um, and just I think God got a hold of her first, and as far as hey, uh get your husband to church and I'll take care of the rest. Um, so she was pretty adamant. We were not, we, I mean, we've been in Kyle maybe six months and she kind of threw her foot down and demanded. And I went and that man, that Sunday, it was like a rock and roll ish church as far as the music was pretty loud. And they had these pretty good musicians and, uh, the sound was medium. So in my head, I'm like, eh, these guys need a sound guy. And then I meet the pastor and another guy, the executive pastor, Zach, and they have conversations with me. And then the next week I'm up at 5 a.m. Unloading these trailers because this is a portable church at the time. Going <laughs> second why week. I, why did the, I, the, the second week that you were week. already working. <laughs> oh my the very gosh. next week. And, you know, oh, that's uh, beautiful. Vanessa probably gets the most credit because she was like, she framed it as, well, you know, you could get some experience running sound using that audio degree. You should figure out how to help them and use your skills, blah, blah. blah. And I was like, that's brilliant. And I was like, <laughs> you're still uh, doing sound. Yeah, I still do sound. <laughs> that's like 30 years later. Uh, um, so that's what that's what initially got me into the doors of the church. And it was about a year later is when I got baptized. Uh, then we had Addie. And then I think a couple of years after that, I want to say it was 2009. I can't be sure of the date, but around 2009 is when they had heard that I was a singer and I kind of tried to hide it um, just because I hadn't sang in such a long time. And like, I didn't play guitar around the house and Vanessa didn't really hear me sing. And, but I think Vanessa told them that, um i was so they gave me like this bon jovi song to sing as like the pre-sermon warm-up hype song or whatever so i nailed it and then they were like oh okay well we found our the guy that's gonna do rock and country songs so, <laughs> oh, so yeah because by the end by then you yeah. were already in a rock band and a country band yeah I mean, so yeah okay uh but like, I, had, I, mean, I had done that for like yeah and i mean 12 years 
at this point. I mean, so, how did but, that feel? How did that feel getting back on stage? Like, uh, well, it was only every now and then. I was still in charge of running the sound, and it wasn't until we moved into this performing arts center where they have their own sound team, and because they had students running it as part of their uh, CTE kind of thing. So I was like, well, what am I going to do? And it just so happens that the worship leader at the time decided to quit. So then they called me as like, hey, you know these songs. Why don't you help us out for a little bit? And we, the first day we moved into this performing arts center, I led worship with the guys that I had been playing with and, and doing sound for for four years. So there was already kind of like a tight connection. And my wife, when it was done, my wife was like, huh, that seemed pretty easy for you. And I said, well, the stage has never really been scared of, of me or I've never been scared of the yeah. stage. So, oh, uh, wow. And that's earlier when I talked about that's the line you have to toe of being like this performer. Uh, I, I have no issue with going in front of 10, 20,000 people. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. sing whatever. But I have to, when it's in the church side of it, it's not about me. Yeah. My whole, I'm supposed to just lead people to a place, and it, it, it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah, I could see that. That's interesting. I never thought about that dichotomy of like, you got to capture everybody's attention and then point them to Jesus. Like, correct. <laughs> yeah, get your you, eyes you, off me. Perform it up. Like, get your eyes off me. Me, me, no, go yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. And I, I mean, and I battle, I, I mean, still to this day, there are, it's hard for me not to, if I do really, really well with a song, it's hard for me not to come off and go, dude, I nailed that. That was awesome. Well, of course I'm going to nail it. You know, like. Man, uh, that's interesting you say that because like part of some stuff in identities I've been learning, you know, we, we get these identities in life and a lot of them come from like the curses of people. Like, you'll never be this, you'll never be that. But also, a lot of them come from the praises of people. Yeah. And, you know, you put on that identity of, like, I'm the star performer. And and maybe that's that's a gift of yours, but maybe that's not what God says you are, you know. Right. You know, and so it's just interesting. It's, uh, I, I, I have to, and sometimes I have to take breaks. I've learned earlier on, I was more of a, I got to do this because of my job security you know, I got to, but then when it gets to start being unhealthy, where, um, you know, some of those worship leaders are in charge of writing set lists and doing this, there's different theories about worship music. Do you do a set list based on what's moving in your heart for God? And then that'll translate. Or do you write a set list based on what your church is going through so that they will be the ones that are and that's the that's the hard stuff because I there's songs that I've always wanted to do, but I just never felt like the church needed it as a body at that particular time. So I would never do them because I would think at the end I'd be like, oh, well, that was just for me. I just want to do a really cool song because I can sing that song well, this and that. Um, and that I mean, that isn't ever that is just a. I think that's a battle that worship leaders go through all the time. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, how did you get to? So, does, was that right before you came to Stephenville? So that all was that probably about period? two years, about two two and a half years before we came to Stephenville. At the time, Nick 
Burleson came and was the family pastor of the Connection Church in in Kyle. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, he was on staff with me. I was never like really a full time staff. I was kind of like a part time because I had another job running a studio, doing radio commercials and on hold messaging and that kind of stuff. And uh, he said he was going back home to plant a church. And I we had been to Stephenville not a year before uh, for my great grandma's funeral. And then during that time, I actually got to talk to aunts and uncles and grandmas and those kinds of things about the area. And it just turns out that my whole family's from that area. Stephenville, Dublin, Desdemona, all wow, the, man. the whole first, I think the second month we were there, me and Vanessa, this will sound kind of morbid, but we went to all the, all the, the cemeteries that we could find in the area to find all of my relatives. And I took pictures for my grandma because my grandma hadn't been back to some of these cemeteries in forever. Wow. Like, that, that's actually like the, really neat. Like the forties or something. I can't remember. My grandma came, my grandma actually went to Tarleton when it was the Tarleton education college or something. And she took a finance course in, I don't know, early fifties, maybe, maybe late forties. <laughs> yeah. Is that the first time you've been to Stephenville? Like for the, that was like the third time I had been to okay. Stephenville. Um, but I didn't know any of the history side of it wow. until we actually, he said, we're going there. And I was like, you know what? My kids are old enough. One, I feel God calling me the big one Two, I get to start a team from scratch to like, I should get to learn, learn how to church build. Cause I, at the time I kind of felt a calling that maybe I was going to be a church planner. I'd go plant the church for three or four years and get all the teams built and then move on to another something, right? Just kind of what we did. But uh, so we moved to, with Nick to help start Timber Ridge. And uh, that's what got us to Stephenville. And then that's what happened six months later or whatever is how me and you met. Because we moved in August, August of 2011. Yeah. And, and it's been we a met, long time, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we met January of 12. And you were here to plant Timber Edge, but then you were, when we met, you were also doing side work. I mean, it's a business of yours, like web and graphic and all that type of stuff. So I think Vanessa probably said, like, y'all really need to be Micah. Be because yeah. when you came on, we didn't have a, I mean, we had a website, but I mean, we really had nothing. Yeah. As yeah. far as marketing, design, graphic, logo, anything, you know. I think Vanessa needed a local attorney for something and then yeah, y'all that's... talking and then we both, me and Vanessa both looked at the website and was like, well, that's all right, but <laughs> let's, maybe we, we could, could do a little better. We could do a little better. And then of course we're like on our fourth version of the website right now, which is what we're, you know, what we, me and you have learned over all the years and all the books and all the other things that well, we've done. All the courses and stuff we've done. I know it's funny. I still have some little business cards occasionally and stuff like that. So it's pretty funny. Yeah, the de- the design has graduated. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, so people know, like, and then eventually you came on staff with us and been been there. Yeah, I did contract work. Because uh, for people that don't know this, when you plan a church, you have to fundraise money or you don't get any money. And yeah. we didn't fundraise a whole bunch. So uh, I needed to start a side hustle as soon as I got there. So I started, I've always felt bad for the small businesses that needed graphics or webs or logos or any of those kinds of things. And then they go to somebody and they're like, well, here's our $15,000 package. 
Yeah. Or it, and I just, you know, for the guy that's got one location, that's maybe a food truck or something. I just wanted to help those out. And I, I helped a whole bunch of people out in Stephenville. I think I did like 25 or 30 websites at the time. I threw my time yeah. there, the two, three years that we were there. Um, yeah. And, and well, course, did... that's part of the ministry. I mean, you get to go out and you meet people and we use beans and Franks as our headquarters. And you still, a... you still know so many people in town. It's crazy. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back up a little bit. How did you and Vanessa get through kind of the marriage, you know, the tough patch? So, uh, along with the, with going to the church and then actually like for me as the male actually listening to the sermons, the good thing about being at church for me as as serving as sound guy, I can't leave. So when we started doing two services and then we started doing three services, I'm listening to this sermon two, three times every Sunday. I got like five hours of straight Jesus, music, sermon, music, sermon, music, sermon. And, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's not my own personal interpretation is that God used the things that I loved to break me down a little bit. Cause I love music. So I'd hit her at least awesome musicians at the time we're playing. And a lot of them still actually play at TCC however many years, 19 years later. Um, I'm listening, listening, listening. And then finally, Vanessa's like, well, here's what I love about Vanessa. She is so okay with telling me exactly what's on our mind. I mean, it took a while to get there and for me not to take it personally, but she generally wants to do what's best. And at the time, I didn't think it was the best, but she was like, look, I think we need to do some counseling. Um, you know, maybe there's things that we need to uncover that uh, someone else needs to help us transcribe how to get through this or out of this. Yeah. So we found this, 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 I guess I, uh, her name's Rebecca. She's, uh, I can't remember. If she's like a straight up Christian counselor but we found her through some resources and we met with her one time and we started talking and then she was basically like, well, let's, uh, let's let me just meet with Micah for a few oh, weeks or a few months or whatever by myself. Um, and for the most part, what happened is, is that deep down I had all this trauma, all of these things that have happened throughout that I never, I guess, really, really dealt with. I would say yeah. I was fine and I would smush it down. And so, um, my father lost his legs in a, in a hay baler accident when I was probably about eight. I think I was eight. And this was a week after my brother Tiris was born. Okay. And my dad's accident was bad. Like he should really not be here, but because of the, the, of how the accident happened, it actually saved his life. Uh, and I'm not gonna go into the details, but a big round bailer smushed his legs and he was there for a while before ambulance could get oh my there. Gosh. And, uh, he was in the hospital for a year after that. 
in traction because they had to amputate both his legs and he oh, had these man. burn scars for those that don't know you know the the big round balers have these rubber um belts that kind of move the hay around in order to form and something smack something slipped and he got pressed and he just he just so that's one um my sister uh i would my youngest sister passed away around my birthday i think i was turning 13 so we have this accident my brother has some probably uh has some speech issues because at the time when you're learning how to talk or listening to people talk when you're like one or two this is just my assumption it's not doctor related but yeah my dad's my dad's in the hospital my stepmom's with him every now and then or for a lot and then my brother is being taken care of the family and uh i think just some of his his speech issues happened because there was so much chaos and trauma with going on with my dad and then my sister passes um she passes away in a pool that was built for my dad to rehab so oh, then there's man. all this guilt of of that and just the the just the sadness of my sister passing uh, in and around my birthday and there were some years there that like my birthday was forgotten and and you know having conversations with my mom and, or my stepmom and my dad wasn't forgotten it's just really really hard oh and yeah. i get that but as a young kid as a young boy you're like well I guess my dad's not going to call me today, you know, or, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, and I, I told, I mean, like I said, we've, we now, after that fact, we've had these over the years, we've had these conversations. So we're all good and gravy now. I understand. But at the time it just added on to the, to the stuff. And then there's, there's some just historically, um, you know, um, I think there was a suicide in the family of my great grandpa. And I, 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 I do believe in somewhat of a, uh, there can be a generational curse yeah, to some extent yeah. and not that anything was really, really bad in every generation. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if they were believers. I don't know if they were not. Yeah. Um, but I just, it just seemed to be a lot of, uh, bad luck. Yeah. And, uh, and I think some of that I took personally, some of that I stuffed instead of actually like talking to somebody about it that, that I actually, I actually had, you know, feelings about all that stuff. And it took the counselor to draw all that stuff out of me, answering the quick questions. And then all that stuff hinders your ability to, have your relationship with your your wife correctly um in the you get agitated really fast self defense i mean i was extremely defensive all the time um i was kind of like a punk husband for the first you know 4 or 5 well, years and then you're still not and then still you're trying to learn how to do the things correctly positively that's another 3 so the first 10 years are ups and downs and craziness and learning how to re-communicate and learning how to express your feelings where you're not, doesn't feel like you're yelling and all those kinds of things. Um, 
it took that to kind of open up a lot of stuff. And then Stephenville was pretty good because, you know, Vanessa's job is, is, is work intense and it could be 50 hours one week, could be 65 hours the next week. And if she's going into Austin downtown, then I might not see her till nine o'clock at night or whatever. And then if you have all this other stuff going on, you, you tend to push that onto the other person. Yeah. Like, the little things you amplify and you blame them when it really has nothing to do with them. Yeah. So it just took a long, long, long time. And then Stephenville, she worked from home. I basically worked from home. Uh, I mean, it. we actually did family meals. And we did all these kinds of things. So uh, Stephenville was a big blessing as far as us being able to have to be together and learn how to communicate and do all these things that we had learned in this counseling. Hmm session sessions i mean i think yeah i appreciate that i appreciate you saying that about the counseling stuff because it does it does make me want to lighten up on people that i would originally like man he's such a hothead like but the thing is like i think you said it like i think a lot of this just impacts us all we don't know that it's past junk we don't know how to process that out and talk about it well it comes out as just anger yeah (laughs) and i think some of the stuff we try to do on this podcast is tell people like um, everybody has a story and until you know their story you don't know why this person is the way they are that could be the only thing that's ever been demonstrated to them <laughs> right yeah so uh, until they get someone that that um, truly loves them that's okay with telling them hey this makes me feel like this way and I'm not trying to be all sappy and but you can grow old some and go, hey, when you say that, I'm just letting you know, most people think you're telling them blah, 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 blah. It may be the first time in 45 years that someone has ever straight up told them, hey, you're sounding yeah. like a jerk right now. Yeah. The, just the way you're saying it. I totally agree with you. Why yeah. don't you say it like this? Yeah, man. And, and, and then it's hard. It's hard because we're not, I mean, most of us aren't wired to reflect and then talk right i mean i'm a i i want i want time to process and yeah, but I'm that's not a, a new that's like a new word though for even me yeah. like a lot of times like even thinking about processing some of the stuff that happened to you or you know me for and how that's connected to how i'm responding now for stuff the yeah, lord just kind of opened my eyes on some of them like <laughs> dang it yeah <laughs> makes well, sense it's um and i'm not a I'm not a verbal outward processor. I'm internally and I got to think about things just the way I'm wired. Vanessa is a outward verbal processor. Like she wants to talk about it, talk about it because then that helps her uh, by her saying it out loud, it processes faster. So uh, which for an internal processor, I'm like, uh, why are you telling me this out loud? And she's yeah, like, no, I'm like, dude, I'll, go on, I'll go on lockdown mode on you. Like I'm kind of the same way. Like, yeah. And she'll go, going, dude, going I'm in. trying to process to you. And I go, Oh, and you know, and, and so those are the things that I know the counselor told us, but at the same time, 10 years after that, I, I I'm still not always the best at going. My wife is just trying to process this, <laughs> you know? Uh, 
she wants me involved to help process this. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and and that's the that's the hardest thing that about the whole you don't know people's story and you don't know how people are wired. Well, catch us up then. So, you know, that brings us to the time that we got connected and we've been doing all kinds of stuff and learn all kinds of stuff together, you know, at the firm and the podcast and other stuff. So what all do you do now? Where are you at now? So we decided to leave. And also where are you at with the Lord now? Yeah. I want to hear. So we we decided to leave Stephenville after we felt like we had, the, the church had grown, the staff had grown. We had replaced ourselves, which is the whole journey of church planning, replace yourself, find, find your disciples, teach them what you know, and then let them do it and then roll off and do something else. So we decided to move back here because uh, for Vanessa's job, Austin had a lot more opportunities for bigger firms, for what she does for bigger law firms. Uh, we moved back home. We helped a couple of churches uh, re, uh, I don't know what the right word is, when they they reformed, it's a rebranding of them. Um, we did that for two or three years. Every now and then I would still do connection church things as far as seeing on stage or run some sound or do the live mixing for their uh, online broadcast. And uh, just got, uh, that's basically all I did with ministry. I mean, now I, st- I volunteer at the connection church. Uh, I still run sound. I sing every now and then. Um, I'll go and fill in if I need to at other places, if they call me. Um, but I spend actually a lot of time doing Johnson high school, which is one of the newer high schools here in Hayes. Um, I do a lot of stuff volunteering there and it's, I feel like it's my way to give back to some of these young kids that I can somewhat relate with potentially. I'm not a teacher, so I'm not there all the time, but I do all their pep rallies and I go to most, a lot of their football games and volleyball games and almost all the athletic stuff I'm a part of as far as announcing or or I'm just going to be a big fan um, because these kids see me so much. I mean, I'm probably at the school once, twice a week. Well, you care about these kids and they know it. It, It's uh, it's evident and you actually develop a relationship with them just because you love them. I mean, yeah. And I think that eventually, as we all know, you'll get those questions of like, dude, why do you do this? Why do you act silly? And why are you a 50 year old, 12 year old kind of thing? And then I'll actually have the opportunity. I'm just not going to blatantly come out and say it, but um, I think there's, there's something that happens when a bunch of Christian people get together just to volunteer. You don't even have to say you're Christian because the FCA on that campus is growing. Um, the youth groups on these campuses are growing and nobody's, nobody's preaching in the hallways. Nobody's throwing up Bible verses. All they're doing is being good stewards of being a good person, a good human. And then these kids see these adults volunteering, doing all these things. And they're like, well, what makes them so different? As we've always said, well, the Bible says we are the light. You just brought the light to the campus. (laughs) Um, so I do that and I do a bunch of other stuff. Uh, apparently I like to stay real busy, which is, well, and, and apparel too. Don't you so I do, tell me, yeah, tell me about you. you have apparel business, don't you? Well, we, yeah, uh, this goes along with the websites and everything else. I think I got tired of 
of seeing I if I wanted just 10 hats, I'd have to go and pay $18 a hat on something that should cost maybe 12 bucks, $13. So then I just decided to buy a machine and learn how to kind of do it. And then that learned it turned into uh, fishing shirts and then turned into t-shirts. And um, I don't advertise. I don't have a website. I don't do anything, but somehow people get my number and then just ask me if I can do it. And I have a, I have a system of where I can do this amount per month because of the, the Allen firm work and then the announcing and then all the stuff I have to take care of. Um, and then if I can fit it in there, I'm like, eh, why not? Cause to <laughs> yeah, me, there's you, nothing. I love hats. I love to wear hats. I love to design hats. Um, and you've never been scared of work for sure. Never been scared of work. I mean, if well, I got to work eight hours, uh, on one thing and then four hours later, then three hours on another thing, I can work for 16 hours. Yeah, for sure. I've seen that. Well, as we kind of wrap it up, tell me where are you, where are you at with the Lord now? And then what kind of encouragement do you have for people? Like what's the kind of the theme you see running through your story that you would use to encourage people with? Um, well, one is God has a plan for you even if it's not what you think or what you ever envisioned. <laughs> yep. <laughs> because me being in bands and me being a musician and me being going to full sail, all of those things actually prepared me for ministry. And that was 33 years of things. And you know, a lot of us sometimes just find a job we like and we make good money at it. And we just keep it and we have no idea what God wants us to do with it. Or even if we have a relationship with God, all God, whether you believe in him or not, God has a plan and has built you specifically for something and specifically to use for his glory and his kingdom. And it's just amazing to me that I would be able to use all the gifts he's given me in a church setting, which then turned around and I was able to bless and do other things for other people in things that I never would have thought. There's no way well, I should be doing hats and t-shirts and doing all that stuff because it never once crossed my mind. Well, but, that's what I see in your story. That's so sweet is like, you couldn't, you couldn't even run from the plan. No. Like this stuff you couldn't, you would have never thought you would have been planting churches, leading worship, building all these teams and all that, all for ministry and growing the kingdom and working for a law firm. <laughs> yeah. There's, 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 <laughs> there's some joke, jokes in that, I'm sure, but for sure. I see that in your story. Um, it's incredible. Well, and I think it's, I think the other thing is, man, it's okay to be a light. It's okay to just be fun and have fun, um, even as a person that loves Jesus, uh, because this gen next generation needs a whole bunch of us to encourage, to sh sharpen, to shapen, to all the words to get this next generation, because I think they're going to have it harder 
than we ever had it. And they need to be at least prepared uh, to love everybody, whether they disagree with you or not. Yeah. There seems to be this my side, your side that just is only deepening and getting harder. And to be honest, most of our high school kids show none of that. I know it's something know. that happens afterwards. Um, and I think maybe we just need to be better at equipping them with what they need to better understand that everybody is different, but everybody has a gift and that includes you. You just don't know what it is yet. Yeah. That's good. Micah. And, and you're, you're very, you're very selfless with how you serve and give I mean, for a lot of things. Especially the church, especially with the high schoolers. Yeah, which is crazy because I wasn't always that. I wasn't always that way. Which is that's what's crazy is like, as a as an only child, I'm, I I should probably be more selfish than I am. And there are times when I am, and I I have to have the people around me to check it. Um, and I I have those people to be like, um, well, there's a lot of times where you're just like. Man, I don't know. I've seen, you know, you're just always doing something, serving people. So, well, dude, wrap us up in style. Would you pray? And yeah, thanks for that. That was rich. Like, like that was really good, man. Appreciate well, you sharing. Thanks. Thanks. Um, I'll pray us out. Father God, thank you for today. Um, we thank you for all these listeners that, uh, that just come to our podcast to be refreshed. That get, maybe they stumbled upon it. Maybe it was emailed to them. Uh, maybe it was a keyword search. We don't care. We we don't try hard at any of those stuff, really. We know this is your deal. Um, and we're just trying to be good stewards of the people that you bring to us to get their story across. Um, your love, your grace, and your mercy is always flowing and always, always around. And, uh, man, we're just honored to be a little piece of people's story. Uh, we're we're honored to shine the light on that with this podcast um but more, more i think more than that we're just honored to be uh I, me and josh are honored to be followers of you um we try to learn how to listen we try to learn how to follow and uh you never give up on us you've never <laughs> you never stopped pushing us whether we really wanted to listen or not um but we know everything is for a purpose and everything is is for you and uh man we're just we're just thankful that we've reached 50 and we're we're looking for the blessing for 50 more because there's more stories out there and with each one of these podcasts there's a different group of people that is getting inspired that is uh that is hearing glimpses of your voice and your love and your grace and that um you will never give up on them and uh man just i'm thankful for josh and the way that uh you put us together it's we're the we're the greatest odd couple ever and we love that and uh man just continue to bless us the our firm our businesses our families and uh we're thankful for you In jesus name we pray amen Thanks, brother. Glad you're my friend. Appreciate you sharing your story. You that too, buddy. Good, that's a good episode. Uh, 
We'll so. see. This one will probably be the worst listen to. Nah. <laughs> nah. All right. We're stopping Bye, it. Thanks, brother. Bye, right, man. We'll see Thank you for joining us on this latest edition to the Storyfield Podcast. We hope that you have been challenged, inspired, and ready to take that next step, whatever that is. If you know someone with an amazing story that needs to be heard, send us an email at info at thestoryfield.com. Have a fantastic day, and we can't wait for you to join us on the next episode of The Storyfield.